Welcome to episode 8 of Courtside with Keenan. I'm your host, Keenan Dahl. And on today's episode, we have Hollywood actor and Blooming Prairie, Minnesota native Josh Broughton. We have a special top three with Josh and results of the trivia question from the last episode and today's new question. But first, here's a message from Anchor. So here's the deal, guys. I attended Winona State University way back in the 1990s. I know what you're thinking. Winona State University. Some people do refer to that as the Harvard of the West, but but I'll leave that up to you guys to decide. But anyway, little did I know that my next-door neighbor, when I was living up in fourth-floor Maury Hall in the dorms, would end up becoming a TV and movie star out in Hollywood. Well, that's exactly what happened with Josh Broughton, and we are lucky enough to have him on the podcast today. So, without further ado, I would like to welcome in our guest. All right, let's welcome in the podcast. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Keenan, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, it's it, things are certainly they're certainly different now, aren't they? But uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm doing well. I I can't complain. I'm I'm spending a lot of time with the uh, with with the family, which is is great. You know, really just embracing that, and uh, we're getting through this thing together. Yeah, that's kind of the the general consensus from everyone I've talked to. Is just man, we've been having a lot of family time and. It's making the best of making the best of the situation yeah, for sure. All, you know, it's all it's all new. I kind of just been taking this one day at a time, and uh, you know, seeing how we're how we're going to get through this. And uh, but it's you know, we 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 seem to find uh, we've in my family anyway. We found a we found a routine where you know we get we can be you know creative in the morning, and then maybe get some exercise in the afternoon, and make sure that we're eating well, and uh, and. Uh, everybody getting their own alone time too to kind of decompress and be, you know, it's nice to be alone with your thoughts every now and then, um, which I'm, I'm hearing has been difficult for some, some folks. And, you know, you got 10 to 12 people living in a house and everybody's on top of each other, but uh, yeah, we're, yeah, that makes it tough for sure. So let's go back to the beginning, Blooming Prairie, Minnesota. Blooming Prairie, home of uh, home of the awesome blossoms, as uh, most people, I think, in the tri-state talk area know. <laughs> yeah, talk to me about being an awesome blossom. What did that mean to you? I think uh, early on, and probably uh, you know, sixth and seventh and eighth grade, it was probably probably pretty tough when we'd be we'd be going up against the Southland Rebels or uh, you know the the Bethlehem Academy Cardinals you know, something, you know, where you got regular names and then here we are, we're a flower. So, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting and it was kind of funny in that I was talking to, uh, I talked to my dad a couple of years ago about this and he goes, you know, we tried to put a petition together when I was, when I was, uh, in, in senior high school in the late sixties, we wanted to change the name to the, the blooming prairie dogs. So just like I guess the mascot would be a prairie dog, 
Um, but apparently they, they hit some, <laughs> some roadblocks in the, in the voting process and, and, it, and it remained the, the awesome blossoms, but, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it's a nice little claim to fame people and you know, people you get to see it on, uh, ESPN every now and then. And it's in all those, you know, the contests on Twitter, which has, which school has the most outrageous mascot. We're usually, we're usually in the, mi- in the mix there. And I think when I was, when I was, yeah, you know, I like a see like 11th 12th grade we kind of took we kind of took pride in that you know we're yeah we might be we might we might be called you know we might, we might be named after a flower but we're going to dominate you in the post tonight you know <laughs> <laughs> so so what uh, what sports did you I, take part I in in high school i was um i was mainly a, a baseball basketball football guy uh, but then I think in, in uh, I think freshman year, we had maybe 13 kids on the football team, which is uh, extremely difficult. And uh, I think the last, the must have been the last game of the season I was playing. I was quarterback and I, uh, I got landed on awkwardly on my, I think my non-throwing hand basically hyperextended it by this, uh, this close to like 300 pound ninth grader, just, uh, you know, putting all of his weight on me. Uh, so I was done with football at that point and, uh, it just st- stuck with the basketball and actually eventually mo- moved over to uh, golf when I was, uh, I think junior year. So, but not primarily a basketball guy. Okay. So did you do any other extracurriculars too, like music or yeah, other stuff? It was great in that it was, it was, you know, just small enough where you could get involved with in, in anything but it was also big enough where we had most of the things, you know, like speech and the all school musical and uh, show choir and barbershop quartet. And yeah, I did so many, so many cool things uh, that, you know, I, I maybe wasn't like really tremendously talented at, at, at any one of them, but it, it, it served for, uh, uh, you know, giving me kind of a, a well-rounded uh, education and, and really getting, Kind of embracing all the arts and all the all the creative aspects of education to see where you know where my talents might lie. Yeah. Okay. So then we get to high school graduation, and you decide to go to Winona State yes, University. Winona State, man, we love it. Um, it was. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of funny, and looking back at it, I'm surprised that I didn't go to the university of Iowa because I was such a huge uh, Hawkeye fan from growing up on the farm. And we had like three or four channels, but like the Hawkeye basketball games were always on there. So, uh, and this was in like the heyday of, you know, um, BJ Armstrong and Brad Lowhouse and all those guys. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't, oh, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't go there, but I think, I think maybe coming from such a small town, I didn't want to go too far away. Winona was about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes from where I grew up. And my cousin was already, was already uh, going there who was, he was, you know, pretty much one of my best friends at the time too. So I think it was actually the only school that I, that I visited. And uh, I had heard from him and from other, some, some other people when I, when I went to uh, visit him there that they had a really good uh, mass communications program um and i had interest in in maybe doing some some sports broadcasting or news writing something something along those lines i seem to do well in in that stuff in high school 
So I was going to, that was my idea to do something like that. Well, and I, and I ended up being a pretty cool that you were one door away from me and fourth floor <laughs> Maury there too. Pretty amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a nice crew there and I, I was, uh, was actually just to, somebody just asked me, uh, uh, Sam Adams, who does uh, Gonzaga basketball games, is putting together this this uh, kind of you know everybody's doing their brackets or like what's the best what's the best movie what's the best team. He had one for video games, and I kept thinking sure. about just all the ruthless battles of uh, Coach K basketball and uh, <laughs> NBA Live, and man, we had we had quite a we had a nice crew there on the in in Maury playing uh, playing video games, best Sega Genesis back in the day, if I'm not. If I'm not mistaken, to uh, yeah, yes, it was the so Genesis. All, all the listeners know how old we are now. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, you decided to go, then you declared a major, which was yeah, it was it communications? communications. I'd taken, but I was taking mostly I was taking mostly general courses, and because I really wasn't. You know, I'd taken a couple of, I think I, I took intro to mass communications and I was like, I don't know, maybe this isn't for me. Uh, and then I think I maybe took one other, one other um, communications course that seemed like it wasn't quite lining up with um, maybe what, how I envisioned spending, you know, eight, eight hours a day. Uh, and then just kind of uh, out of the blue, uh, one of my general courses, I took uh, oral interpretation. Um, which was uh, taught by the the head of the the, the acting uh, portion of the drama department, Vivian Fusillo, and uh, it was basically like a speech class. And so we, you know, we'd read we'd read like children's books or read you know certain excerpts from you know from old news stories or any any, any kind of speeches, great speeches. And um, and right away she she kept me after class one day, and she's like, "Hey, where did you?" who are you? Where did you come from? And I was like, uh, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> She's like, well, what's your, what's your deal? And I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm Josh. I'm from Booming Prairie. She's like, okay, well, what, I need you to audition for my play next fall. Are you still, you're going to be in school next fall? And I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, you need to come audition for my play. And uh, at the time I just thought she was being, you know, nice and kind of, you know, just being a good professor and extending an olive branch. Um, but uh, yeah, that, and when, when I went and auditioned for that play, which was one of her uh, her, her children's plays that kind of gained uh, notoriety uh, even nationally for uh, how well done they were, and uh, she she gave me one of the one of the main parts in it, and man, it was uh, it was basically off to the races from there. I, I I couldn't couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yeah, that's cool. What an influence. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? All, all these things that kind of line up and, and you get to that, you get to that place and you don't know it at the time that this is the moment, but, you know, I look back at it now, it's over, what are we, 20, 20 years removed from that, or 22 years removed from that. Yes. And that was it. That was the thing. And then like, even later on, she, you know, I, I, I declared a, a theater major immediately. And then I, uh, we would go up to uh, the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, and and the first time we went up there, I, I, I sat by um, by Vivian, and and she's she said at one point when it was I think it may have been just just before intermission of the play, she said she whispered, "You could do this," 
And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, this is, you can, you can do what they're doing. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, yeah, you can. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, you know, just coming from a town of 2,000 people in Minnesota, you don't really know that acting is an actual job. You just, I don't know, you just, I don't, you probably just imagine those people got like flown in from Mars or something to do these, you know, you know they got flown into Hollywood <laughs> to do movies or whatever. I don't really know. Anyway. So then that was kind of, you made the decision, I'm going out to California and going to give yeah, it a try? I, I, initially, I went to Chicago, I think, because I was just a little too, uh, I think that Hollywood just seemed like too big for me at the time. But I, I went to Chicago and tried to get into some some place down there. And it was actually a pretty tough, it's a pretty tough market to, to crack into. But I eventually gotten, uh, I decided, hey, I'll take a job at this theater, or I'll try to get a job at this theater bookstore, and then maybe I'll meet somebody in there. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it kind of how it worked out. I found out about an audition, and then I went to this audition for a play for no money at some church on the north side of Chicago. And and um, I think one of the one of the actresses in the in the play, her her friend was a uh, he worked with some casting directors in Hollywood and worked with uh, some producers and 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 he came and and saw the play and was like, "What are you gonna do?" And I was like, what do you mean? There's like kind of another moment here. He's like, well, are you going to do plays in Chicago or do you, do you want me to introduce you to some people in Hollywood so you can actually make a living doing this? And I was like, yeah, let's do the second one. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not really knowing. I just, I, and you know, I, I, we started sending out some tapes to um, uh, one of the casting directors was, was Allison Jones and she was doing, uh, Judd App- one of Judd Apatow's shows at the time, I think it may have been Undeclared, or I think it was after Freaks and Geeks and before he did the movies, you know, before he started cranking all, all the movies with Seth, Seth Rogen and all those guys. Um, yep. And yeah, she's like, she was like, yeah, this is this guy's pretty good. This, what can, is he, what's the deal? Is he going to move to LA or what? And I was like, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm moving to LA. So, you know, packed a couple of duffel bags and and took the L train out to the airport and just, just and crashed with, uh, and then ended up crashing with an old, uh, if you remember Steve Lindsay from one down state, uh, ended up crashing on his, on his couch. And, okay. uh, yeah, he kind of, he helped me kind of get acclimated to, uh, to, to LA life and actually, actually he gave me his car that had like a, some needed like a thousand dollars worth of work to get it running. He's like, here, just take this. And I was like, oh, okay, like it was, I mean, it literally like a, it was a rags to somewhat riches story. Yeah, it was, it was wild. That's pretty cool. So then you, you just got introduced to people and you start auditioning for roles. Is that kind of how yeah, the process it, works? Yeah. It, uh, Allison helped me find a, an agent. And then from there, the agent was, you know, getting me appointments for, for shows at the time. And one of the shows like the, that Allison was doing was uh, Spin City, and I auditioned for it. I think I auditioned for it to play. I want to say Alyssa Milano was on the show at the time, and it was to play her boyfriend. I didn't end up getting that part, but then uh, they needed a you know, the part of a, a baseball, like a like a graduate high school graduating baseball pitcher to uh, to to uh, play against Charlie Sheen as he's trying to rel- relive his uh, his baseball glory days. And, 
now I, I seem to remember the fact that Heather Locklear she, was involved with you involved somehow in that, that episode. Yeah, she, uh, she and I, my first, uh, my first scene uh, on camera in Hollywood was with her in a uh, in a locker room where uh, I was wearing a towel and uh, she was uh, she was fully clothed. So that, that was uh, just pretty much thrown to the wolves uh, right away there, Ken. It was, uh, yeah, it was, that was, that was uh, something. That was uh, a crazy, crazy experience, experience for sure. Well, I just, I just remember watching it and I'm just like, I know that guy. That is so cool, you know, and he got to spend time and meet up with Heather Locklear. And I, I want to say you guys even had a kiss, know, didn't you? Uh, I, can't, I can't remember if there was a kiss. Or it was, there was definitely like flirtation. She was, her character was flirting with me to try to get something <laughs> from me. Um, but uh, I remember one, one part about that was, I think we filmed on like, let's say we filmed or we, we rehearsed on like a Tuesday or something like that. And then that night, uh, a friend of my mom's was in town from Chicago, and she was doing a like a Gatorade commercial. And she said, hey, Gatorade gave me some tickets to the Lakers. Do you want to go? And so I was like, yeah, cool. So she and I went to the Lakers game. And uh, and I was so I was we were sitting like fourth row behind the bench. And then right across the way was Heather Locklear sitting courtside. So then I get so like we see the game, and then I, the next day, the first person I see when I show up at work is Heather Locklear in the like in the in the makeup trailer, and I'm thinking this is so weird. So I'm just like, hey, I saw you at the saw you at the game last night, and she was like, oh yeah, great game, huh? I was like, yeah, it was it was, it was so amazing. She's like, yeah, I didn't think they were gonna pull it out or whatever. I'm just like, this is so, this is so weird. Yeah. So, I mean, did it, you kind of just, now it's kind of become old hat of being around stars and that kind of thing, or do you still kind of get a little starstruck I, yourself? I do from time to time. It's usually not, uh, it's usually not actors. It's, it's like, sometimes it'll be like a, a musician or I do. I remember one time in, in Burbank, I was hanging out with some, some friends. We went to this place, I think called Moe's Tavern or something like that to get burgers. And, uh, and in walked uh, Diamond Dallas Page from uh, the WWE and WCW, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, wow! There he is! There's DDP. <laughs> Me and DDP are in the same restaurant awesome. tonight. How cool is that?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, you know, you, but it's kind of I don't know. It's when it, I've worked with people at a pretty, you know, pretty high level, even Woody Harrelson and, and Will Ferrell and, and people like that. And, and it's, well, that's weird to do that. It's also, you know, we're doing the same thing. And like, I can understand what they're doing, you know, but like, if I meet like a great athlete or something, if I met Magic Johnson, I probably wouldn't know what to do. Cause I'd just be like, I can't fathom how you, how you do what you do, you know? Sure. Yeah. So I was going to ask a question about that role in yeah. semi-pro. So I was, I was doing a little research with my crack statistics uh, yeah. people here. And uh, the Winona State in intramural statistics are very, very yeah. accurate. And they, they, they said that they had a stat line that you averaged 27 points and 12 rebounds a game in your intramural career at Winona State. So I'm wondering if there's truth to that. Uh, yeah. 
And if that helped, that helped you land a role yeah, on semi pro. I mean, the, the twelve boards might be a little low, but that's just because a lot of times <laughs> they don't count like they don't count the tip ins and they don't you know a lot of offensive boards kind of get they kind of go by the wayside because the the stack guy is eating his popcorn or whatever. But uh, yeah, we had a nice uh, we had, we had a couple good runs there. I think uh, maybe I think I had a couple. We had a couple of. Uh, couple of three-on-three three championships. Um, I can't recall if we ever won the big, the big five-on-five. I do, I do know that I got, uh, I got teed up one night and I had to sit out the rest of the game for hanging on the rim, which was uh, a big, a big no-no at, at Winona State. They didn't want, uh, they didn't want um, intramural athletes, uh, you know, doing five thousand dollars worth of damage in some pointless <laughs> game or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I seem to see. I, see, I yeah. never had that problem. <laughs> you, you were more of a, you were more of like a, uh, a you were like a Ricky Rubio type. You were more out on the on the outside trying to trying to facilitate, <laughs> trying to trying to get guys open, right? Well, yeah, I mean, if, if it was worth three points, that's what I was going to shoot. I didn't yeah, need to step that's inside just the analytics, point. right there. That's all you got to do. <laughs> You bet. So, so what's what's your favorite role you've ever played? Um, I mean, I would, I do, I, I would have to say that the semi pro was was definitely the most fun, just because it was such a such a wild ride, and 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 the, the the cast of characters. I mean, it was a there was crazy stuff happening um, every day, but mo- I mean, most of it was most of it was kind of off screen, like. Uh, we we kept we started playing this game immediately early on where like one actor would be would have the camera on him and he'd be in the scene and then the other guys in the background would do that game where you you put the circle you have the circle with your hand you put it below your waist and if the guy if somebody looks at it then you get to punch yep. him so like I'm trying to I'm doing that scene and then I look up and there's there's Woody Harrelson and and uh, Andre Benjamin both doing that to me and I'm thinking how did this become my life you know. <laughs> um, that's pretty awesome yeah, and, you know, and I've gotten to do a lot of fun I've gotten to do a lot of like really dark stuff on TV you know playing playing serial killers on uh, shows like The Mentalist and Criminal Minds um, and then also my, yeah. my wife and I, I was going to say my wife and I just watched that episode of Criminal Minds last night and she wanted to say you did a great job that, playing a serial that, killer that, that, one was, uh, that one was a doozy for sure I uh, I remember doing that, and we, you know, I worked like probably six or seven days on that, and uh, and then even maybe like three like three weeks after that job got done, I can remember myself being in a funk, and I think what I did was that I just I internalized all that so much that I had to, I had to go to such a such a kind of uh, painful and depraved place in my imagination to to portray something like that that i think it kind of stuck with me afterwards um so i kind of it's it was actually a good lesson for me to learn because nowadays i i I really try to kind of stick to stick to a routine where i can i can get out of that you know whether it's through exercise or through you know reading or or you know talking to talking to other people because it's uh I don't know. I don't know how the guys do that if they're on a show for like eight or nine years and they have to play some really despicable character. That's got to be really tough. You take that home sure. with you every day. 
Right. So, I mean, how, how hard is it to just flip the switch from that kind of a role to say in the next week or two, you have to do some comedy yeah, type thing. Some downtime like that. It's actually not that hard. I've found, but um, a lot of times, you know, you'll be doing something like what I was doing. A, I was doing a play in uh, LA a couple of years ago where it was a kind of a, I think I was, it was six days, six days a week. We were doing the play. Um, and, um, and then, and during the daytime, I would have auditions for other things, right? I had like a screen test to play like a, a cop on some show or something like that. And it was, those were difficult days to kind of get, kind of separate those, separate those two things. Cause I needed to stay in that mind frame kind of to remember where that character, you know, the character on the, in the play lives, but then also to be either be like a goofy boyfriend or something during the day or, yeah, or, a, or another, uh, you know, menacing killer type or whatever. So it was that, that can, that's, that's the stuff that I usually find the most difficult is where I have to have two things in my, in my mind and body at the same time. So what happens when you get to the end of the day, you go home to the family and is it just, you can flip a switch and then you're just a dad and you're just yeah, pretty normal much. again. I, mean, I, I put, I put so much into it and, and it, it, and it, um, I mean, it really just demands a hundred percent focus. So when I am done with it, I usually am pretty happy to be done with it because, um, then I can just go, you know, I can go on, get on to something new, something fresh. I can, yeah, play play with my son or watch watch some TV with my wife or what, whatever you know whatever it is. Um, I'm usually happy to have downtime. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have any projects? Any new projects coming up? Yeah. Sorry, I just had a drink there. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm doing a, a show. I think we're going to call it uh, uh, Secrets of Sulphur Springs, uh, which uh, we're about halfway through filming the first season. Um, before the whole um, COVID-19 thing happened and all production was, was basically shut down worldwide. Um, that should be coming out on Disney Channel, I'm guessing, sometime, hopefully maybe in the fall or, or the winter, depending on when we can get back to work. And it's uh, basically about a, a, a boy who is, uh, whose family um, uh, takes, takes, takes basically they, they – they up and moved to from Chicago to uh, this old, this old hotel, this old worn, uh, rundown hotel that his dad, played by me, um, uh, used to go to as a kid, and was actually went to a, a summer camp that that had joined the the hotel there. And uh, the moment the, the moment we get there, the son he befriends a girl, and uh, she's like, "Oh, I can't believe you're staying at that haunted, that haunted hotel." and um, so we, we we come to find out there's uh, there's a lot of mystery and intrigue in this town and in this hotel especially that's uh, kind of cen centered around the uh, disappearance of a girl um, who would have been about uh, roughly my age when when I went there when I went to a summer camp there so it's uh, it's kind of a it's 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 kind of a departure from what Disney Channel uh, has done um, in the past and uh, I think uh, I think the viewers will really and we'll really latch onto it and enjoy it because the, the kids doing it have been having so much fun. And every time we read, we read a script, they're like, oh, that's it. That's all we're going to get. I need to know what happens to so-and-so and how do they get out of the blankety blank and where do we go from here? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. 
Well, that's cool. So let's let's uh, switch gears here. I know that you are sure. a big sports fan, and pretty much everything Minnesota except yeah. the Iowa Hawkeyes, which you mentioned. So let's start with the mm-hmm. upcoming NFL draft. Vikings. They get, they need what do they need? Offensive line. Uh, they probably need a couple of defensive backs. It'd be nice to get a, a younger uh, quarterback. Uh, could use a wide receiver. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a, a, a run stopper. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think we better, but we better start with the offensive line because uh, they just signed uh, Mr. Cousins to another long deal, and uh, he he's, he needs a little bit more time back there. Uh, so hopefully they can get. I don't know who's this big guy. Who's, who's the, uh, this Wunderkind from from the University of Iowa? He's kind of a he's kind of a hybrid guy who's really been jumping up the boards. Um. Remember. Yes, I think you're right. He was, name. I, I just saw that you know, when before the combine ended, I think he was basically breaking all the like the speed records for for linemen. So he went from like maybe being a third rounder to and now he's probably top ten, top fifteen. So probably a bit out of reach for the Vikings, but uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can swing a deal with the Packers. They can take a couple of the, of our a lot of later draft picks and help us move up. I don't know. I will. I will say though, Cousins has kind of gotten a bad rap because he's played pretty darn well, and he hasn't no, been given a whole he, lot of help. He definitely hasn't. I mean, with with I think with the kind of line that they put together, they uh, he would need to be like a Michael Vick, uh, Lamar Jackson type to actually be super super productive. Um, and, he, and that's not what he is. He's a pocket passer. Right. He's a guy who, if you can give him four seconds, he's going to find the open guy. But the but they they've been giving him like a second and a half, you know, which is not going to get done. <laughs> right. So I was watching ESPN a couple nights ago, and they aired an old Vikings Packers game from I think it was about 2010 or 11. Yeah. I guess whenever well, the Brett Favre game when he was a Viking playing against the what? Pack- was it his first time playing against the Packers or was it his first time playing against the Packers yeah. as a Viking? Yeah. I forget if he played with him. Played against him with the Jets. I don't recall. He was. He did not play against them with the Jets. That was his first time against the Pack. What were you thinking when you got uh, Favre on I your think team? Initially, I was like, I was probably like, "What are we doing?" You know, because I was still in the mode of I can't <laughs> stand this guy. Uh, I don't want to root for him. I mean, in college, it was. I want to say it was. It, I wonder if it was my sophomore year when when the Packers won the Super Bowl. And you know, it's iconic the shot of Brett running down the field with his with his helmet off, um, where he's like crossing the fifty yard line and that grin right. on his face, and you're just like, oh no, somebody, somebody please, somebody please, <laughs> as a Vikings fan, somebody please turn the TV off. Uh, but I think you know we were like, but then we were like, you know, we were all on board with like, okay, cool, we got Adrian, he can just be, he'll be the game manager guy, and. Uh, it's a lot better than than ever, than anything we've had in the past, you know, five or six years. But then he just, but then he just decided to be Brett, and it was like, oh my goodness, what what, what is this? I don't understand. How are we? So we can just we can come down, we can come back from three touchdowns down in 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 the third quarter and win games. This doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, like. 
I mean, statistically, I think it was one yeah. of his best seasons and he ever had. Out so slow too, because he was like, he, I want to say he was like the game manager guy for the first, you know, six or seven games, and they were like, "Yeah, we're winning." He's like, "Yeah, no, I just, you know, check it down to Percy, and uh, we're, you know, we're just we're happy to win." Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but yeah, then he went. Then he just went went bonkers, and uh, oh man, we were so close. So close, and then and then across the body, and, I, and you know, that's you 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 live by the slinger, you, you die by it. the slinger, though. That's what I mean. You know, you you know that as well as anybody. If he, he was there for what, probably 14, 13, 14 years, and you got one championship out of it, which is yeah, obviously better than what Minnesota has ever gotten. But uh, he always hoped for more. Well, that's true, but you feel like there could have been more. Yeah. So how about uh, let's switch to let's switch to the NBA. Yes, man. How about, Timberwolves how about your Timberwolves? A, I think the Timberwolves really <clears throat> have taught me more lessons in life than maybe any other thing I've ever loved, uh, because they just are never any good. Uh, <laughs> you think they're gonna be, and then they they swing it, you know. I remember. I think I was doing a show called Married to the Kellys at the time in 2004. And I was, I kept flying back to, uh, to see them. I, I saw game two against the, the Sacramento Kings and then game seven when Kevin Garnett went off and uh, Sam, Sam Cassell was hobbled and, and ultimately couldn't play against the Lakers. And I was thinking, you know, how there was our, there was our chance right there. And Basically, basically haven't been back yeah, since. I cool. think we went back. I think they played to they played the the Rockets a couple of years ago when the you know Jimmy Butler's first year. And uh, other than that, it's just been a, just a plethora of uh, twenty five win seasons. It's uh, I sure I sure do wish yeah. I lived in well, I sure so do wish I lived in Milwaukee right about now and had a had a really good squad to root for. Oh my gosh. I am. Uh, I'm a pretty big Bucks fan, and I'm probably more than any other sport being yeah. canceled or postponed or slowed down right now. This was this was our chance. I feel like this was our yeah. chance to win a championship, and now really probably isn't going to happen. Because, and how, like how many? Because how many years? Uh, what's what's uh, the freak's contract? Is he? Is he got... They have him for one more yeah. after this. One, take one more good stab at, it, and hopefully, if you if you win it. Uh, you know that you know he he has the idea to to want to stay. Although I haven't heard anything about him specifically wanting to go anywhere else. And I know you always have to consider that because small markets nobody ever wants to stay. Nobody wants to stay in a small market. Everybody wants to get to the coast. But I've never I haven't actually heard any grumblings from him from him or his camp about wanting to be anywhere else. So you got to feel good about that. He's yeah. been really really good about that. Where he's just said. I love it here. I love Milwaukee. I love the people. And, you know, whether that's something that he's just kind of saying to make make it look good or I don't know if he'll follow yeah. through with that by signing a contract, but yeah. I hope I mean, so. It's kind of it's kind of refreshing. You kind of you harken back to like the days of, of Bird and and Magic and, and Michael, you know, they 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 stayed where they were and they wanted to beat everybody. They didn't want to join up. They didn't want to join their buddies and and just dominate. It was it was competitive. I think that's I think maybe that's one of the biggest knocks on the NBA. Right, now. and you, you like there's only five teams that can even get remotely close to winning the championship, and then there's 
there's 10 who would get, they would get absolutely blown out if they got to the playoffs, you know, and it's not like it used to be. And I mean, I think I look back to Charles Barkley had some mm-hmm. quote, I think on TNT or something where he's like, we didn't want to yeah. join up. We wanted to beat them. It's like, if, if we had the chance right. at Michael, we wanted to, to beat him. We yeah. didn't want to be his teammate. Yeah. I think that, that, that whole, that the whole, um, the Warriors super team thing, I think that was, I think that's where we jumped the shark. Um, it was, it, it just seemed so, like so wrong, didn't it? You know, like what, what, what do you, what do you get, what do you gain from that? I mean, that really does turn the trophy into a piece of metal when you, you're some, a team is that good and then they get, you know, arguably the second best player in the world to join their team. It just, it, it makes, it kind of really makes no right. sense. And I, but I think he, I think, I think Durant probably, if he had it to do all over again, I bet he wouldn't do it. Cause I think he, he made a calculation on what, of what the public perception would be. And it seemed, and I think he feels like, like he was wrong about that, about that perception. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So you brought up Michael Jordan, and they have this big Jordan documentary coming up. I wonder what well, your thoughts are now too, on, don't we? on that. Were we supposed to wait until the summer, until after the playoffs or something <laughs> like that? Now we get it. Now yes. we get it. Coming up this coming every, and, all, and everybody under 25 in my, in my Twitter mentions are, are you know, texting me. It's like, oh, good. I can, now I, can, I get to watch Michael Jordan play against a, a, a bunch of uh, plumbers and janitors. This will be, be great. <laughs> and you know what Keenan, we can't we, the kids they don't know any better we can't help them um we can try to show them the light you know be a beacon for them we can we can we can we can put in uh you know we can put in uh old old vhs tapes and say and and say watch this but you know, there's so so many people just want to look at the stats and go, well, he, you know, he didn't really have that many assists, and he shot under fifty percent in a lot of these playoff games. Um, yeah, well, that, that doesn't tell the story, does it? Scoreboard at the end of the game. You do what it. You do what. What does what, what, what Herm Edwards say? You play to win the game. That's all. You, that's you that's play to win was. the game. That's right. Uh, and I don't know if it is. It. <laughs> it's going to be it. cool. I hope we get to see. I mean, because so many stories have been told, and you know, Phil's written so many books about it, and Rodman's talked about it, and even even Jordan and Pippen have talked a lot about it. So I wonder. I'm really, um, I'm really interested to see what new wrinkles they've uncovered with this one. Well, they claim that there's a whole bunch of footage that has never been seen like before, it so juicy. it should be like it should it. be good. <laughs> so I'm going to do okay. one more thing here with you before I let you go, and I I'm going to put you on the spot. Hopefully, you you oh, can think uh, pretty quickly on your feet here. What okay. this is going to be our top three segment. Your top three things that you miss about being in the <laughs> top Midwest. Three things. So, rank them, start them. Okay. Top three. It might be a, you know, a restaurant, uh, something in particular that you just miss about yeah. the Midwest being well, uh, out okay. on the one, coast. I'll now. do an easy one right away. 
you, I can't find, I live in San Diego and I can't find a Godfather's taco pizza within a thousand miles of me, I don't think. So that's one thing that always has to get done when I get home. Um, I really miss, while there's a lot okay. of, there's a lot of you know, water sports and a lot of time, you can spend a lot of time at the beach here in the ocean. I love, I love, there's nothing better than being on a good fishing lake in Minnesota. And just that, the quiet and the pristine and the calm. Okay. Um, and the third one, um, probably going, either going to like the fair or going to uh, a sporting event for a team that I love with, with people I love and with my family that I got still back in Minnesota. So that's, that's, that's probably my, those are probably my top three. I don't, did you have did you have Godfather? That sounds like a pretty good list. One of the power rankings. I don't I don't know that I did. <laughs> I I didn't. There you go, Culver's. Yeah. I had Culver's. Let's put Culver's as a, a <laughs> four with an asterisk because I think they're just Culver's is a little too new for me. It's it, it's uh, it wasn't there when I was there, but now when I go back, I I immediately have to get a get a, a double butter burger and some cheese curds. So. Like how how do you compare it to In and Out? But I, I like colors better than better than In and Out. I'm not. I think I think they use <laughs> maybe better ground beef, fresher patties. I'm not sure. And the cheese is obviously better. I, you know, they they just use the plastic. You know, the the Velveeta or whatever Kraft singles. I think at In and Out. Yeah. Sure. I would nice. I would agree. Culver's is my my go to for midwestern yeah, kind of, food I've restaurants kind of for sure. <laughs> I'm in my, getting in my early forties now. I've kind of retired from the whole um, cement mixer and the uh, you know the the Dairy Queen days, but uh, uh, but yeah, I do I do enjoy the I do enjoy the burgers for sure. <laughs> you bet. I would agree. So all right, well, I'm going to uh, with that. I'll I'll let you go. Make sure that everybody follows Josh Twitter on Twitter. Josh what is your uh, your Twitter B-R-A-A-10, handle? Double uh, ten, uh, and then I'm on Instagram. I think it's Josh underscore Broughton, B R A A T E N. Yes. Sounds Thanks good. Well. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate Thanks, it, and appreciate uh, it, take care Thank out there, work. and stay safe. Thanks again, Josh, for joining us for that awesome interview. It is time for us to move on to our sports trivia segment. First off, results from the previous episode. The question was, who were the three South African golfers to win the Masters? We had one person get this correct. We had Derek Wathke answer this question correctly without having to use any Google or any type of search engine. And the answers were... Gary Player, Trevor Immelman, and Charles Schwartzel. So congrats, Derek, on being the only one to be able to get that answer submitted correctly. And now for today's trivia question. We are going to NFL Green Bay Packers draft trivia with the NFL draft coming up shortly. And I'm going to say the question is, since the Tony Madridge pick the number two overall pick in 1989. Who are the next two highest draft picks that the Packers have had? I'll give you a hint. Both of them were selected with the number five overall pick. 
Submit your answers to courtsidewithkeenan at gmail.com or go to our Courtside with Keenan Facebook page. Good luck. All right, that brings episode eight of Courtside with Keenan to a conclusion. I would like to thank my guest, Josh Broughton. Once again, I'd like to hear your comments. Email me at courtsidewithkeenan at gmail.com or go to our Courtside with Keenan Facebook page. Thank you very much and have a good day. <laughs>